This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast sponsored by Overdrive. As always, make sure you follow us on social media to stay the most up to date. We are at Pro Book Nerds on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We can also be contacted by email. So if you'd like to send us a note, you can do so uh, to, I always say at, and then that's confusing because it's an email to professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. All of that housekeeping said, I would like to say hello to Joe and Tiffany. Hello. Hi. Hi, Emma. Welcome to the pod. This is hopefully a fun and chatty app. Thank you to Tiffany for prompting this topic. So credit where credit is due. Today we are talking about seasonal reading and what the heck that means to us three readers. Wonderful. So uh, we also talk a lot about this. Joe did a lovely episode with Amy from Mom Advice a year ago. Yeah, just I I think it's just about a year ago or right around. On like atmospheric winter gorgeous reads. And so sort of along that vein, Tiffany had asked if we had done an episode other than that sort of on seasonal reading, what that means, how the seasons impact reading. So to kick us off, I would love to hear from both of you. How do the seasons impact your reading if they do? Joe, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I can I can go first. Have at it. <laughs> I think first off is that what I end up describing in my notes overall is that my reading trends, which I know Emma and I talk about our vibes for what we're reading a lot. I have trends for breaking down the months of the year and reading about when I'm doing so. But outside of like, oh, I almost exclusively read horror in October in prep for Halloween. I am not very much a seasonal in terms of like holiday reads. So that's kind of the thing I wanted to kick off with first. I know a lot of people will look for Christmassy, Thanksgiving, Halloween, you know, like different Easter springtime books throughout the year to kind of match with the seasons or to break up their, you know, their usual reading. But for me, it is truly depending on the time of the year, I'm feeling a certain type of way. So I am absolutely one that falls in the path of, uh, I don't even necessarily think it's of the seasons, just of my brain has created its own. Yeah, I would say I consider myself a seasonal reader, but I don't think that I I set out for that to be the case. I don't think I intended to be. I just as You know, I've worked for Overdrive and spent a lot of time looking back on my reading over the years. 
Uh, I have noticed some patterns about what I pick up in different months, and uh, some of them are quite obvious, uh, I think, to anyone, and some of them aren't obvious even to me why I choose them. Um, But I think it does help me give some sort of structure to the madness that is uh, picking up my next book. I think that's such a good point, though. And Joe and I talk about this often, the struggle of mood reading, Mm -hmm. but that we do sort of tend to lean to certain genres or like comfort reads Mm -hmm. dependent upon the seasons and those moods. (laughs) So it's interesting to me. So I'm, I have I'm privy uh, to everyone's notes, obviously, for this episode. And what I do think is interesting that we'll discuss is that we all sort of have things that we'll turn to all year long, which I want to talk about what those are, and then certain things that we pinpoint for specific seasons. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting, Joe, to touch on something that you said that like this is almost like a schedule that you've made yourself yeah because of what you tend to gravitate towards based on like the time of the year i just find this so interesting i would say that especially looking at it today and trying to break down when do i find myself reading those really dark thrillers i could see that oh yeah there is a pattern that my brain just seems to kind of not even crave those bits but i think of like the winter, the cold, the gloom is when I'm thinking dark thriller because it's already dark. But then I think of how natural it was when I read the whole You series uh, two years ago, two years ago now. Uh, mm-hmm. Or yeah, I guess mm-hmm. basically. <laughs> um, yeah, like a, well. Oh, yeah, no, like I guess it's a year and a some year change. and some, yeah. A year and a couple months. <laughs> I, time isn't real. I don't know. Um, when I read the You series a little over a year ago, it was in the time that I would be picking up books like that anyway. So even though I had tried to get started in you in the past, it was probably hard because it just wasn't the right time. And then when it fit so naturally, the progression was very easy. Like these are kind of broad strokes and there's nothing to say that I only read what we're going to talk about year round. But I think this is more of the like, when I'm in a slump, what am I most often to pick up? Like, what do my moods tend to trend more than like, I only read three genres. You know, it's it's kind of like the other books that I find along the way just get mixed in throughout. Absolutely. That's something I was noticing when I was looking at our notes that we all have sort of picked. I mean, not that we're going to pick different seasons. We know what seasons are, uh, but that we've identified these seasons, but our picks are not all the same, but there is some overlap, which doesn't surprise me. And I think will be an interesting topic of conversation about how uh, I think that's for both of you, the topic, yeah, I'm not saying it yet, uh, is like a a through point in your reading. And for me, why it stops at a certain point, because I've identified I don't want it to stop. Sorry, listeners, that was super vague, but all will (laughs) come to light. All will be revealed. So I will start some of the revealing. So I would love to hear from each of you. Do you follow a schedule or a plan for the year that is sort of dependent upon the seasons? And if you do, I would love for you to map that out for the listeners. I am hoping 
that this episode is actually going to help me draft a better reading schedule for the year. Um, I think I, one thing that I started doing probably in 2020 when all of the changes happened uh, is tracking my reading better and, and not just, you know, we can use Storygraph or Libby or Goodreads, any of these things to track, but making a specific tab or label or whatnot for um, the books that I finished within a calendar year so that they don't just go into like the pile of I've read them, but that I can look back at a year as sort of a capsule. And even just the number of books I've read per year wavers so much. And I'm wondering if there's a connection between that and sticking to some sort of, oh, it's it's time to be picking up these books just so that I'm you know refreshing what I'm reading regularly. Um, or if there's literally no correlation or cor- correlation at all. Um, but one thing that I've been noticing is I, I feel a slight change coming to my reading schedule based on <clears throat> an article I read. And by that, I mean a TikTok. Um, <laughs> and once we talk about what we like to read this time of year, I'll share some thoughts about that. Um, but I, I loosely plan for a year, I would say. I would not say that I loosely plan. I would say that, like I said, I fall into, I fall into the vibes I've been able to use as like prepping for today to map out and say like, okay, well, it makes sense. So now when I find myself hitting, what do I want to read? And every book I pick up that sounds delightful to me isn't, you know, isn't firing the right places in the brain. I can go, oh, that's because you're trying to read this domestic thriller in the middle of summer when you only want a <laughs> summer camp read. So I I will, I guess I should say, I will set myself small challenges. I always work to complete our book nerds challenge. Of course, we come up with these prompts for everyone to try to do. And it helps me stretch where I want to stretch, or I'll take the easy way out and find like the loosest connection when I just need to fill out one of those categories. And I also try to think of what is a book or a series or even a genre that I've just neglected. What is something that, you know, I maybe have picked up three different books by Virginia Woolf, but have I read anything other than Mrs. Dalloway? And so maybe this year the goal is to read all of the Virginia Woolf books I bought or, you know, so I'll I'll kind of give little things like that, but I'm not steadfast to them. So I don't set a number to what I read, to how many books I read in a year. I really only do our challenge and then, right, I'll I'll set myself some tiny little stretch goals. Uh, But as as I've said, I am a big tracker of what I read. That's I think I think that is the recipe for success, no matter what, because you also get to look back and just go like, oh wow, I've I've really done all of this, and it puts into perspective what reading does for you. Because I can look at a like a section where I had a rough year, and if that's like the shortest year of books, I can go like, oh, maybe if I had bumped that up a little more I would have I would have found some more balance when when things were dark and uh also just kind of being like look at little kid me who wanted to read every book in a series and now if I don't like it 10 pages in I'm like goodbye it doesn't matter that we started and read through book one we don't have to read the other 20. (laughs) That is actually something that I've worked over the last several years to break out of my spite reading habit uh (laughs) I'll finish it even though it makes me angry Joe (laughs) do you ever look back at your lists of books and find the ones where you think 
I could not tell you anything about that 400 page book that I read. For me, that's always interesting. And maybe I should pay more attention to that when I'm looking for like that next title, maybe something not like that at a certain point of year. Yes, I I definitely do that a lot where I'm like, what was this even about? Or I read that. And I mean, I, I, I am diligent about how I record books. Like there's no, if I read half of it, I didn't finish it. So it's not, you know, there is a thumbs down tag in my Libby app or, well, now it's, now it's just a DNF tag because I know the words for it, but forever it was a, it was a big old thumbs down. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's only books that I've completed. There was definitely a time when I was the, the kid always going through the manga section at the library that it was like, I was picking up anything to try new things. I, I found myself to be a little more adventurous of a reader when I was younger. And I just go, wow, this, this week had like 20 different volumes of things. What were you doing? (laughs) I think that's a really good point though, is sort of like not only tracking reading for your own like goals or anything like that, but then also to sort of assess like, right, if there are any patterns, if there are things you gravitate towards or things that you tend to enjoy when, you know, XYZ circumstances come around, including like winter darkness and gloom. So as someone who is still listeners in the largest reading of my life. How long has it been? We're been, we're approaching been, two months now, right? It's been since early December. Okay. And um, yeah, as I said on our recent episode, I think it's largely to do with all of the like personal stuff. My brain just has no space because we were moving. All of that is settled now. So I'm hoping that as I like settle in, uh, all of that sort of comes back. But I, I have in preparation for this been really interested in like, Obviously, my seasons of reading, as Tiffany said, like 2020 as an example of a reading year was not my biggest reading year, you know, of all the ones. But then I look back on my Goodreads and other years that were, I don't want to say like stressful, but like busy, monumental, like the year I got married when I was like planning my whole wedding and things, you know, that's just like inherently stressful. That year I read more books than I had like read in a very long time. Mm -hmm. So I feel like sometimes it can go either way where either I just like dive right into books and it's more of an escape during stressful times, or I don't want to read a single thing. And I, I just read like two books. Well, I think there's a time when we're experiencing darkness versus when we're experiencing stress. Because I think, uh, like 2023, uh, we know I was very busy with our conference. And it it was a banger year of books for me. Because if I was working, I was listening to an audiobook. So there was constant reading going on for me this past year. But like I was saying before, on years where I just like wasn't in a good spot. And it wasn't so much like stress or prep or planning. Those were the those were the drop offs. I'm not I'm not surprised that a move would have an impact on you. <clears throat> yeah. I moved, I don't know. It was probably almost two years ago now. And if moving is not one of the worst things that you have <laughs> to do as a human, I don't know. I mean, there are plenty of worse things, but not an enjoyable activity by any means. And I think that would also uh, possibly put me into a rut because I also feel like, I don't know, the stress of moving would make me 
um, maybe not even enjoy tuning into an audiobook because I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. my brain is thinking about all of the other things that I have to do. So even what I consider my like, oh, I can get a book in if I just listen to an audiobook on my commute, that kind of goes out the window. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. So I, yeah, I mean, everyone is like, it'll come back to you. I'm a chill, but it feels weird uh, to be in like a perpetual reading rut that sort of goes on and on and not even my fail safes have corrected it. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) still reading, but it's not really been like the uh, enjoyable. The joy hasn't been there. It's missing the like spark. Yeah, exactly. Still reading, still enjoying a lot of like enjoying a lot of the books I'm reading, but right, it's it it's me. <laughs> so I might say what you consider a reading slump is not what everyone would consider a reading slump. <laughs> that's true because right. that is true. So readings, like I am still reading books. Um, so I'm not in a rut in that sense. It's certainly slowed down the f- like frequency with which I'm reading, but also. Right. Like Joe said, it's kind of like the joy of reading is not quite there right now. So we're maybe working on the process of transforming into a slightly different reader. Like maybe you're mm-hmm. about something about a genre that is no longer for you or is now for you or or maybe not. <laughs> that's a good. Well, that's a good point, though. And so that brings me to a question that I have for you both. What are the genres that you sort of turn to all year long? Like, is there anything that you're like, it doesn't matter the sunshine, the gloom, the month, the time of year? Like, I know if I try to read X, I mean, I know that not all books, you can tell if they're like going to be fantastic or not, but ones that are sort of your tried and true genres that you turn to all year long. Mine is not a surprise. It's like romance, but... (laughs) What about you both? So year round, I mean, no surprise that I'm going to say thriller, horror, cozy mysteries. The biggest one for me that like, because those are the those are the things I talk about a lot. Those are the things that have defined seasons in my life. But I think the other big one for me is rereads. So if there's books that I love, books that I turn to for comfort, that's also kind of a way that I get a little treat in for myself or I'll break a slump. Um or, or if I'm just like kind of where you're at, Emma, where I, I want to be reading, but I'm not feeling the love. That's when I guess it's time to reread the Hunger Games or like pick something that I've loved in the past. And depending on how much time I need, I'm either picking a lengthy series or just just a quick one book reread to get through it. So those are kind of my big ones. And of course, YA, I feel like YA now more than ever kind of has a season for me, but in the past, it was more my all the time. Um, I I will say I'm still pretty convinced that it is a, a year round genre for me. Uh, and then the last one, which I always forget, but a book that you would read in like, a high school advanced placement English class. (laughs) So just like if it's straight up lit, that is probably technically a classic now, even though it's not a classic in the way that my brain wants to think of it. I don't want to read those often, but I do want to just occasionally be like, yeah, I guess I'll read The Sound and the Fury. So that kind of thing. (laughs) That's actually funny, Joe, because that's one of the ones that I just identified as well. I was thinking... 
a, a, a classic or a semi-classic mm-hmm. should have read title that yes. I don't necessarily feel I should have or that I will read because I should have read but because it continues to get good ratings, it continues to be recommended. I feel like I can pick that up at any point in the year. I would also say something that's uh, horror, horror, thriller, mystery. I can pretty much do any time of year. And also nonfiction, which I think a younger me would be flabbergasted by because I wasn't a, a nonfiction reader ever. I thought, oh, this is pointless. But then I've just found some really interesting nonfiction titles that sort of changed the way I've looked at the world or how I look at time and things like that. So I don't um, really feel like there's any point in the year where um, I can't pick up something like that. A great example is a book I'm actually reading for PD for work, which is called uh, Will They Escape? And it's uh, written by a man who owns an escape room company, I believe in Ohio, uh, although I think it's Cincinnati. So not nearby to us. Um, And it's all about what he has learned as being sort of like the game room uh, organizer and watching all of these people go through these uh, rooms and cooperate or not, and how, um, like, what his takeaways are about teamwork and working together, which I just thought, this is a great way to get some PD in, by the way, because it's just reading about escape rooms, but um, anything that's sort of like that, but maybe not as professional development, um, I think is, yeah, open, uh, open season throughout the year. I think that narrative nonfiction is something I really forget about. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy to too. go. It's easy to be drawn into the the beauty and the the um I don't want to say better writing in fiction because I don't mm-hmm. feel that way. A good narrative nonfiction can be incredible writing, but you know what I mean? That sort of mystique yeah. of I don't know where this story could possibly take me versus I have a good idea of what I'm going to learn about. Right. Being able to set aside all of your preconceptions of our world and float off into fiction, but yes, oh, I do love learning new things. Hmm. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's my time to get into some narrative nonfiction. I know. I Joe, have a question for you. <laughs> 20, yeah, twenty twenty-four narrative yes, nonfiction, nonfiction here. I have a question for you both about your rereading. Would you say that you uh, print ebook reread or audiobook reread or both, and why? It depends. There Mm -hmm. are three series that have to be audiobook only. Okay. Um, And then there is one series that I cannot do the audiobook, that I have to, I have to print, pick it up. I don't actually think I've ever read the ebook for, it's the Howl's Moving Castle series. I don't think I've ever read the the ebook for it because I have print copies, you know, like destroyed multi reread copies here. So I I just turn to those. Um, and then there's there's like a handful that I could do either way. Like uh I listened to all of Twilight when we did a retrospective. I think if I were to reread Twilight, I would very likely pick it up and read it, uh mm-hmm. probably on the ebook format. So it's it's a mixed bag for me, but I am the I am the audiobook girly of the podcast. So just about everything for me is going to be audiobook uh, for the most part. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way 
at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah. So I mostly reread Sarah J. Mass. Uh, at least once a year. I'm astonished. Like me too. Well, uh, to clarify that, um, her Court of Thorns and Roses series and her Crescent City series. I have only read Throne of Glass once, and I don't know that I'm going to read that again. Maybe okay. I might. I don't know. I with that, it depends. Sometimes I want to read it, and other times I will listen to the graphic audio uh, because um, those are some of the only audiobooks I can. Or they work with my brain. Joe and I were literally talking about this this morning. I was so desperately want to be an audiobook girly, but I just like, I have to find the right audiobooks that fit with my lifestyle. Because what I was explaining was that I've been listening to this audiobook for literally a week and a half. And it was taking me too long because I just couldn't, I was only listening to it when I was in the car which is only a certain amount of time. And I can't listen to it in the car with my child. <laughs> it's like <laughs> at all. And so then I wasn't, lis- I didn't want to just listen to it like in the evening. And so then like I was, I just wasn't making progress. And I ended up having, I was like, I'm going to pick up this book so I can read it. And that's just been quicker and easier for me to do that. I reread a lot of other things on ebook just because I don't like to crack the spines. Or like, get, <laughs> I don't like to, I don't know. This is like, you're a horrified thing. by the fact that I have just d- d- full on read to death copies of my favorite series. I get it. <laughs> I mean, well, so some of my favorite rereads, it's, it's not that I wouldn't continue to reread them. It's that I've re- reread them so much that I don't want to damage them further. Okay. Um, so some of those, and like, even though I do have them, I will just pick them up in Libby, uh, because we've got it. And, and then I just don't have to like worry about, you know, breaking a book that I've read, you know, 20 times. I'm with you. I am definitely getting more into ebook version reading since really discovering the joys of an e-ink reader. Mm-hmm. So I I think enjoying that way is kind of like the the bridged gap I needed. So I'm I'm definitely doing more of that now than I ever was before. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I'm like, we had some cobos else? kicking around. <laughs> and then yeah, because I just it's just so easy to read in Libby for me. I can let yeah. you turn on dark mode and adjust that font <laughs> and like, then you're ready to rock and roll yeah i'm not um, a rereader by any means so i think i was asking that selfishly to figure out if you all said i listen to the audiobook after i've read it for the first time just because i can consume an audiobook much faster yeah. i'm not mm-hmm. particularly a super speed reader 
Um, I was hoping you'd both say, oh, always audio. And then I would say, oh, great. Now I can become a rereader. But hey, maybe that is my story. And maybe that still will be the case. I, I don't, I think it's because I have an embarrassing number of titles on my TBR. I don't mm-hmm. want to talk about it. I feel like I'm <laughs> going to make Goodreads someday. Um, I feel like there's so many out there. I have to come to peace with the fact that I'll never read them all. And maybe it is worth picking up a title I really enjoyed to reread it again, even if that means maybe one fewer book that I read in my lifetime. I I think there is something about rereading that if it's for you, you're going to feel it. And I think there's nothing wrong with setting that your format is audiobook only. Like, if you don't mind it, you know, because... It, you're looking at two people who like I'm very audiobook and Emma's very ebook. We're gonna have different experiences. But I think for you, if you if you love an audiobook, I think it's a great way to enjoy it. The only time I'm really saying both is if the format that I enjoyed it most the first time was book, I'm going back to book. Yeah. If I enjoyed it just as much either way, I'm I'm kind of flip-flopping around. Uh, other than series of unfortunate events, because still mad that they <laughs> had Neil Patrick Harris redo the first one, even though it was Tim Curry. I've brought this up so many times, and oh, I won't stop. Wow! <laughs> because the, well, the Netflix series came out, and <laughs> yeah, Netflix series came out, and they were like, "Oh yeah, you should re-record the first one." I was like, "No, oh. fine." I only will. <laughs> only, I will give credit though to a series that did it well with that sort of situation, and that yeah. is the summer I turned pretty audiobooks. Mm-hmm. That one for me worked. They did have the main cast uh, and the main actress Lola Tung come back and read the new audiobooks, and then the I like feel re-record. bad because I don't remember what their names are. The boys from that uh, they had them do those as well, and so like that re-record worked for me. But in I the think there's a time. I think there's yours. a time to do it, but not when you have an icon, right? <laughs> not when you've got Tim Curry. <laughs> No, I agree with that. So I would be interested to know for both of you what your, I'm like, let's walk through the full year for each of you. And then I can, I have like two thoughts for myself. So (laughs) Tiffany, yes, walk me through how you're sort of, how you plan out your year. Okay. So in January, early February, this time of year. Um, and I'm going to walk back to something I mentioned earlier. I'm going to describe what I would normally do and then what feels slightly different this year. Normally, the beginning of the year is, oh, New Year's resolution. So nonfiction, I'm going to learn things. I'm going to be, I might pick up something uh, that is aspirational, like the Count of Monte Cristo. Uh, however, This is tying back to the article (laughs) TikTok that I watched, which was reflecting on how the the whole New Year's concept, which is something I just love to think about. Anything that's like a clean slate moment, a mark in time, I just really appreciate. But it was reflecting on how nature doesn't wake up on January 1st and say, hey, it's time. Go be you. Go be your best self. New year, new me. Um, And how all of the trees are still at rest and all of their energy is in their roots and it's a time of reflection. And so I really try to embrace that this year. And I haven't kicked off the year with, you know, anything that's sort of uh, nonfiction, self-improvement. I actually, this year, I think the only three books that I've read, maybe four, 
um, are the bluest eye. So just we're starting off the year with some deep cuts there. Um, all boys aren't blue and new kid. Uh, given all of the book challenges that exist, I felt it was my duty to be fully read up on some of the books that are most challenged. Um, and so I don't know, I, I've just taken a, a different approach this year. And I think I'm still in my hibernation mode. And I've given myself that same grace when it comes to like any of the bigger goals I have for the year. Um, I think there's something about you set a goal on January 1st and then, you know, you're depressed on the 21st because you've already lost your way. And I think that's because we don't have time to prepare for any of those big changes while it's Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. So slightly different approach this year, but I'm really enjoying it. And for any of uh, the listeners out there who that resonates with, I cannot recommend it enough. Like this is a season of rest and that is okay. Um, but Aside from that, um, I would say typically in January, that's what I tend to be reading. Um, uh, some great examples, uh, 4,000 Weeks, How to Do Nothing. Um, also, there's an author, uh, her name is Laura Vanderkam, who talks about making the most of your time, sort of like how to make those moments of time feel like they're longer when your life feels like it's hurtling past you. Um, in February, I only read people of color. Um, I mean, I read people of color throughout the year, but I make it an effort in February. And that's something that I would like to extend to some other um, uh, heritage months like AAPI or Native American. Um, and I always read LGBTQ titles in June. But again, those kind of go throughout. But that sort of starts my there are titles that I know have been recommended that I want to broaden my horizons with. Um, and that's when I tend to do that. And then summer is uh, thrillers, true crime, um, typically some romance, one or two. Um, and I tend to not pick up anything that I would consider a tome, although I made a note saying maybe I should because I love reading outside and that just gives me more reason to be reading outside. Um, and I found it interesting um, that we all differ slightly in our like mystery thriller time of year. Um, even though it might be dark out right now, I feel like no one's going to try to come through my window. And I'm, I'm imagining, uh, what is it? The, the true crime story by her last name is McNamara. Oh, I'll um, be gone in the dark. Yes. That yeah. one, the Golden State Killer, which I read with my windows open in the middle of summer and something about that just was terrifying that I just got this thin screen between me and the outside world. And I feel like someone's more likely to come and nab me in the middle of the summertime than when it's negative 20 degrees out. <laughs> no, it's so true. I mean, as I'm literally falling asleep in my screened in patio outside, <laughs> listening to someone be like chopped apart yeah, true crime wise. And I'm like, oh, so it's this a is a terrible security idea. That late sunset. <laughs> yes. Right. Um, so that one's, yeah, I feel like, you know, some beach reads, but I might try to mix it up a bit more this year. And then fall is spooky stories, campus settings, horror, thriller, anything scary. Uh, if Stephen King has dropped something in the previous year, I'll usually read it. Um, but I love that genre so much, so much that I realized in preparing for this episode, I don't need to limit it to them, even though I, always want to read it in October. It's my favorite month. It's one of my favorite genres. But I think when Thanksgiving and Christmas come up, I find it hard to be like, hmm, murder and crime. Uh, so I tend to go for something slightly more uh, heartwarming. I'll admit that in years past, the Christmas titles that have been recommended to me, like something that has a Christmas theme to it, eh, 
Mm -hmm. eh, so I think I'll probably go more um, with the angle of just something heartwarming. But I've also been thinking that's a great time during this sort of hibernation mode to be picking up uh, recommendations from friends so that I can think about how those reads might impact other things I'd like to um, pick up in the new year. So that's kind of my flow throughout the year. I love it. Um, looking at mine, January and February is kind of my celebrity memoirs. So anything that I missed in the previous year, I try to kind of clean up at the, the start of the new year. It's also when I'm still kind of in cozy mystery mode, I find that um, dark, dark time is a big cozy time for me because it's the same thing. Like I find myself getting more scared when the house is at its most secure compared to summer when I'm like, yeah, tell me about Tell me about this crime spree. Uh, but this is also when I will freak myself out with some good dark, dark, dark thrillers. This is when I'm pulling out the quiet tenant. Like this is, this is the time for, you know, how, how are we going there? And then Moving into like March and April, this is my best shot for fantasy and sci-fi. I've realized this about myself because this is usually where I slow down in my reading. This is kind of like uh, if we're going out on the road with the bookmobile, this is when we're getting ready to hit the road and things are busy, busy, busy. And it feels like a natural place for me to have a bit of a pause or a slump in in my year of reading. And so... Usually for me, I struggle to get into fantasy or sci-fi because it's so much for me to absorb. It's so much for me to try to accept the world and build it with all of their beautiful descriptions, Where in most, which is why I like magical realism. It's our world. I can just be like, oh, cool. But here you're also a psychic medium who can control ghosts. I don't have to work for that. Like I can just dive right in. But it's great to have a long book and a book that challenges your brain in that regard at a time where you're also reading less. So I don't feel like I could be getting through 40 books right now. Uh, it Instead, it's it's a good time for me to be like, oh, phew, good. I can, I'm not mad that it took me three weeks to get through that one book. Um, so not so into my comfort zone, but it's also toward the end of April is when I start the transition to YA, uh, YA fantasy to bridge the gap between um, and it's also when I tend to be more open to thrillers outside of the U.S. I know, Emma, you love a British thriller. Uh, I'm learning about myself that I don't. I, I Not that I don't, but I, I love them only at certain times. I kind of love the, like, I'm in America. I get it. Like, which is not my personality any other time. But when it comes to like a cozy or a thriller, I'm like, yeah, I want it here. So this is the same kind of thing of like, oh, I can hear ridiculous street names in the UK at this time of year. Um, and then the summer is so much YA, uh, summer camp, YA thrillers, all of that. Um, and then this is also like prime thriller season. This is also true crime season, you know, May through August. Uh, also love final girl kind of stories. This is also when I'll pick up those kind of beachy reads. This is also where I'm finding that, yeah, okay, I do want a romance pick. I'll probably only end up reading one, but I do want a romance. Um, then the fall, dark academia, witchy, horror, cozies make a return here as well to kind of like break up, um, break up the 
the, the darkness here and there. Uh, this is also where I'll hop into scary stories to tell in the dark, because who doesn't need to revisit that? Uh, Rachel Harrison, she's becoming like a horror time reread. And then maybe I'll challenge myself with a classic in the genre. Maybe I'll read Frankenstein or pull up something like that. Right. <laughs> Dracula, Frankenstein. We'll we'll pull a classic. Um and then kind of November until Thanksgiving is still the same witchy horror cozies. This is my domestic thriller season. I found that this is where I'm specifically looking for the domestic kind of vibe. Uh, and my reread season starts after Thanksgiving. It's kind of like when you would decorate your house for Christmas is when I'm rereading. This is when I'm either picking up a book that I did not read when I was a kid. Uh, like the when I decorated my tree two years ago, I was listening to Holes for the first time ever. So like <laughs> I'm either reading a juvenile title that I never read or I'm going back into a favorite series. Um, December until like right after Christmas, same kind of thing. I'm still in the reread season or this is when, right, I'm picking up those random new books to blend throughout. Rereads, dark thrillers, domestic thrillers, cozies. So yeah, I think that's, I think that's my year. It's, it's I've, I've learned a lot about myself in prep for this episode. <laughs> I also read Holes as an adult for the first time. And it was so good. Yeah, I was like, it why was so good. Cool. <laughs> why was that not required reading? Like, I mean, I ate that movie up. In school? No. No. Okay. We read that in class, I'm pretty sure. Okay. No, was not required reading for our curriculum here. It might have been like a summer reading pick, you know, like mm-hmm. when you could yeah. read for summer reading, but. There was always a book or three that I had already read like two years previous on the mm-hmm. list. So I just didn't read what they wanted me to read and wrote about something <laughs> I already read. Well, right. <laughs> but no, I think that's interesting. I mean, to echo things that both of you said and sort of outlining what your like general schedule is for the year or like sort of what vibe is for the year. I I pretty much read romance all year long, thrillers all year long, but like Joe said, we'll lean into certain kinds of thrillers depending upon the season. So like summer camp reads, you know, anything with a camp counselor or like a, you know, that is always top of the list, the final girls type of thing really heavily in the summer. Um, same with like domestic thriller that I feel like is usually I don't know why I think of that as like a lighter topic kind of thriller. It's they usually not. It, it's like <laughs> in my brain, I'm with you. They usually are. It's lighter, easier to consume. I don't know. It, yeah. It's like lighter in the sense that it's like it's there's pretty a lot insulated. of like relationshipy like, family yeah. dynamic, which I, I don't know. That's not really it's not light by any means. But then like the darker mystery, like the quiet tenant is is a winter sort of vibe. Uh and then I did I do it the Sarah J Mass reread like once a year, but that varies in timing mm. depending upon when I last reread it or re-listened to the graphic audio. And then the rest of my sort of notes here are more so vibe and mood related, which can correlate to the seasons, but usually does not at all it's <laughs> just like at random and so i'll read ya when i need something lighthearted. i will read smut 
to the, I wrote smut to the extreme. <laughs> to what I wrote on my notes, because I will, I need, I, I need those. Uh, when I find that I'm in like the worst reading slump mm. of my life. And so mm. by those, I mean like Sierra Simone, we're talking the Sinner series, Birthday Girl by Penelope Douglas, anything by Maya Banks. Like I haven't read any of these and <laughs> I will be a birthday girl on Friday. So maybe it's time to pick, pick some up. <laughs> T- Tiffany. <laughs> I'm like, we'll talk off pod. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But just like absolutely smut to the extreme is the only way I can uh, ex- describe it when I just, I like, I, I need something that's going to be a win mm-hmm. for reading something that I can, I don't necessarily care if there's like tons of excellent plot and storytelling, not to say that there's not in any of the books I've recommended, but just that, the, you know, I need a win. I need to be able to read something quickly and like check it off and be like, oh, right. We're on our reading streak. I love that. Um, or yeah, Lisa Jewell. Mm, mm-hmm. Smut to the extreme. Smut to the extreme. And then I will say I I it depends. In the winter times, I can really go for a like Ellen Hildebrand Nantucket peak of summer book if I want something that feels like sunshine because we don't have it. Or that will make me depressed. We don't have it. And I will avoid it until the peak of summer. So it it really is also dependent upon my mood. <laughs> Read a book outside a season. It's on our challenge. <laughs> Whether it we've is. had the, the grayest, foggiest January ever in Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. In 70 years. <laughs> wow. I'm like, love I will, that for us. But I will also say get into dark academia a lot, especially in school season. Yeah. And I kind of play in the winter with the game of like, is Die Hard a Christmas movie in the same way of my <laughs> books? Like if it's a reread that has a, like a Christmassy scene, I'm like, well, of course this is going to be read now. Or yeah. even if it's something new, it's like, yeah, I'm not necessarily looking for the the lighthearted uh, like or even like Christmas with the Cranks. Oh, no. What was that? Skipping Christmas. That's the actual book. Uh <laughs> but I am looking for like, is there a Christmas moment in this? Is there a winter scene? Like, is it a book that's mm-hmm. taking me through a whole a whole year with these characters? Mm-hmm. I do like to kind of get that in seasonally as well. Because to me, there's something very much about like a year-long book that if they take a moment to talk about whatever winter holiday is going on, then oh. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I can read that at this time of year yeah. then. This feels like the most, the most time for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. And yeah, like as I third, I think the dark academia sort of college campusy vibes in the fall, mm-hmm. um, just because of like our billions of years, like going back to school, like back to school season, get refreshed pencils and your notebooks. And then what I'm interested to know, since we've sort of just thrown out a bunch of varied approaches. I would be interested to hear, obviously, from our listeners, if you sort of schedule out your year, if the seasons really do affect you and you would like to read things sort of in tandem with the seasons or you do the exact opposite. I'm just like absolutely fascinated by like, I don't tend to read like winter books in winter. Um, Mm -hmm. 
for whatever reason. But again, like, I think it depends so heavily on the mood and the vibe. And then also like to caveat a little bit for Joe and I's reading for the last several years, obviously for the podcast, we are also juggling all the things we're reading for our author interviews. Yeah. So that's been an interesting thing for me to incorporate into my existing like reading plan schedule. That that has been very interesting because you and I are both pretty good about picking things that we're that we're interested in for our interviews, but we do challenge ourselves with genres outside of our usual reads. Or, or, you know, (laughs) we're we're just trying new things. I mean, (laughs) I found my full-on love of horror because of picking up a random horror interview. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm, right. (laughs) I'm like down to challenge myself because it, it worked out so well for me. But it can be difficult, especially as a mood reader, especially as now that we're seeing that we have these kind of seasons in our reading journey, to and if they want to record earlier than we may need to like there are some that I've recorded three plus months in advance just because that's how everyone's schedules worked out Mm -hmm. that book really may not be in my in my season yet (laughs) (laughs) and and you're just like fighting your way through it because yeah you you want to read it and you picked it because you wanted to but (laughs) It's, yeah. uh, it's a little out of season for me. The yeah. the tomatoes aren't quite ripe yet. Yeah. I think new releases can do that as well for me mm-hmm. because I, if I really want to read it now, I know if I don't, it will end up on my TBR and then I will have that ever long game. When am I going to read it? Mm-hmm. So I would say a new release can often pop in and say, mm-hmm, surprise, maybe it's the middle of December, but uh, it's time for a beach read. Here you go. <laughs> That's that is true. I will very often abandon everything for like a really good recent release. Just be like, Pfft. which is validating if you really loved it. it yes. It's always like a great. If you didn't, then me. I don't know. Maybe <clears throat> that's how my TBR is so long. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, same. <laughs> I I'm currently reading one of the old, the longest on my TBR books, uh, the Joy Luck Club, because decided that we were going to read Amy Tan for a book club. <laughs> that might also be one of my oldest ones. Maybe I'll read it, Joe. We can have a chat. Perfect. <laughs> like we can do, we should do a whole episode on the book that's been on our TBR for the longest amount of time. Love it. Bring it in and talk about I'm it. I'm like, can, I'm actually intrigued to know what my, oh, I just looked at what mine is on Goodreads. Anyways. Um, <laughs> No, but I think all of these are really interesting things. And I hope that folks are interested just in how, I don't know, how reading changes throughout the year um, based on mood, based on season. And then, of course, like very dependent upon where you're at, because as um, Tiffany and Joe said, we had like the foggiest, gloomiest, cloudiest January of the entire life. Uh, here in Cleveland, but I know that that's not the weather most other places. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But definitely let us know, like, are you like Tiffany, where you have specific times that have specific criteria? Are you a little more kind of 
go with the flow? Do you not have anything at all? Or do you, or do you have more than Tiffany and I do? And Emma does where it's just like every month is something different. Every season has something. What if someone goes weekly? Please tell us if you go weekly. Yeah, that would be, see, yes. And this is what's so cool is like, right. We, I mean, I know that we didn't get like, we got a little in the weeds. We didn't get like as in the weeds as we probably could have. But yeah. like, right, how do you decide what to read? I think that's a whole larger question that sort of leads that's into a, that's a different episode. Entirely, yeah. <laughs> because right, there are there are so many like factors yeah. that go into it. And I how, think about this for an eight hour day. Oh, right. I know. This oh. could be like a 20 hour episode of just like, okay, <laughs> how do we decide what to read? Here's what we're looking at. And honestly, those are the episodes I really enjoy on other podcasts too. So, hey. (laughs) Right. But that's good to know. So let us know, how do you decide what to read? Are you a seasonal reader where you sort of adhere to those traditional seasons that you're experiencing? Do you lean into moods? Do you plan your schedule? We would love to hear from you. So make sure you tag us on social media. We are at pro book nerds or send us an email professional book nerds at overdrive.com. Thank you, Joe and Tiffany for this very chatty episode on just like seasonal reading, how to map out your year. It's still very early February. So hopefully this gives folks some ideas too about how they might want to think about their reading habits and structure their year. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Happy reading, everyone. Happy reading. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on overdrive.com or in Libby. Our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen Podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer and Joe Skelly and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.